Hey, I'm Stephen Billings, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect with you. You can text 97000 with the words River Connect to share any prayer requests or just to say hello. It would be so great to hear from you. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can give by texting the amount that you would like to give to 84321. You can also head to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the page as well. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you have a blessed day. How you doing tonight? Good to see you. Man, I got to talk to you, a couple of you, before the gathering. Man, it's just awesome to hear some of the incredible stories God's doing, isn't it? Man, I hope you don't take tonight for granted. Like, this isn't something that is just, we do on purpose. I mean, we do do it on purpose, but we don't just do it casually, right? Like, this is important. And to talk to people and to hear. I mean, I heard someone say they're six days sober. That's incredible, man. That's something to get excited about. And if you're just maybe a day sober, I want you to hear some of the stories of those that have walked before you that are 100 days sober. And I want you to think in your head, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. It's so powerful for you to hear these stories of people in your room here, not just for me, but hear the testimony. So I was so blessed just to talk to a couple of you before I came in. This morning, my name again is Pastor John. Justin uh, introduced me a little bit earlier. I am the Flushing location. That's the furthest north location uh, for the River Church, and uh, it's just an honor for me to be here. I want you to know that. I consider it an honor to come here and just to share a little bit of time with you and to talk to you because you're important and you matter, all right? Uh, I, before we get into the text, as the, the screen said, we're walking through this series where there's the rise after the fall. Pastor Justin, if you were here last week, he talked about King David and really the first step to redemption is this aspect of confession. Today we're going to look at another man's life. His name's Peter. How many of you know who Peter is? You heard the, Peter's a, the rock. There you go. Not, not Dwayne Johnson, the rock, but a different rock, right? That's right. And so we're going to walk through, uh, through him and his story But before we get into the text, I want to do a little bit of a mental exercise with you. It's not hard, don't worry. It's okay. I want you to think about, just take a minute, just pause, try to clear your mind of everything else that may be going on. And I want you to think about your go-to person. Your go-to person. Who's the one that's got your back? You know that no matter what, thick or thin... No matter what time of day it is, you can call them. They'll pick it up most of the times. Maybe you have to text them. I don't know. Your go-to person. You got somebody like that in your life? Maybe if you don't, tonight's the night you find somebody like that in your life. Could be your table leader. It could be Pastor Justin. Your go-to person. I've got a couple guys in my life that are my go-to persons. No matter where I'm at, no matter what struggle I'm going through, no matter what difficulty, I can call them night or day, and they're there for me. They can be halfway across the country if I say, hey, dude, I need you at my doorstep tomorrow. They'll be there. Now, this is a little bit odd, but I want you to think about what would it take for you to deny that person? What what circumstance would you have to find yourself in to deny that person. It's not fun, is it? I mean, if you should feel a little uncomfortable. Because <laughs> like, that's not normal thinking. 
When we talk about our go-to person, we don't, we don't sit there and go, man, I, I can't wait to think about how I'm going to deny this person. I'm gonna, I can't wait to figure out how I'm going to stab him in the back, if you will. We don't think that way. And it should make us feel uncomfortable. Some of you may feel uncomfortable about that thought process just in the sense that you maybe have experienced somebody that you thought was your, your friend, your, your loyal friend, and they, they may have treated you in that way. They denied you. They, they acted like you didn't exist. I think there's a term these days. They call it ghosting. Have you ever heard that term before where you just fall off the face of the earth? They don't talk to you. They don't act like you exist anymore. We're going to look at the life of Peter. We're going to walk through some of the aspects that Peter, when he failed, when he falled, when he had his go-to person, he walked with this go-to person for a long time. When he showed up one day and he found himself in a circumstance, in a position where he found himself denying his go-to person. Let's take a look. I want to, before we get into the depth of it, I want to kind of give you the backdrop of where we're going to start. So Peter, we know Peter, the rock, right? This is what Jesus calls him uh, a little bit in his ministry. He said, I'm building this church on you, the rock. Where we're at in this story, where we pick it up, is where Jesus is about to go to the cross. Okay, they're in a room. It's called the upper room. Jesus is having a conversation with with his disciples about some hard things that are about to go through in Jesus' life. I love how Peter is so bold in these verses. Man, he's like, man, I got your back. I got your back, bro. I'm here for you. Thick or thin, I'm here. I'll do it. Doesn't matter. I'm here. I'll I'll be there for you. I got you. So let's look at where we begin there. They're in the upper room. Jesus is telling them, hey, man, I'm going to have to go away. I'm going to begin in verse uh, of of the book of John, the gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, open your Bibles to there. I want you to follow along the story here with Peter. Simon Peter is his name. And so you'll see his name come up in multiple passages here. It should be on the screen as well, but I'm going to begin in verse 36 of John chapter 13. So they're in the upper room. And Peter's got some questions for Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, uh, Lord, where where are you going? Because Jesus says where I'm going, I'm getting ready to go away. And where I'm going, you can't go. Jesus, of course, answers him in this way. Where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. Peter's confused by this saying of Jesus, and he says, Lord, why can't I follow you? I want you to see these next verses. Dude, I'll lay down my life for you. Dude, I've got, my, I've got your back. I'm here for you. You're my go-to man. I'll lay my life down for you. That's what P- Peter's really bold. And Jesus asks him this question. He's like, really, Peter? Peter, you're, you're willing? You will lay down your life for me? Will you really? It's a rhetorical question. Are you sure? Because talk is cheap. Of course, Jesus then reveals to Peter, hey, dude, before the, before the sun comes up, Within the next, in essence, 12-hour period of your life, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to act like I don't even exist. Peter, Peter doesn't believe it. Peter, Peter ain't, he's not following that. 
And listen, before we really walk through this, I want you to hear, you're not here by an accident. There's somebody that needs to hear what is going on in the life of Peter tonight. Somebody in this room needs to hear what Peter walked through because you might find yourself, and I hope you don't just hear this as a story that's just there, that it's something that you personally, each and individual, every individual in here can hear the story of Peter, and it's something that you can take away with and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is something that my life needs. So Peter, just jump with me a couple chapters to John chapter 18. Jesus has left the upper room. He's gone to the garden. He's prayed. And he's about to be arrested. Peter, verse 10 of chapter 18. So Simon Peter, having a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off the right ear. Hey, man, his actions look like he's got Jesus' back, doesn't it? I mean, you look at the, he's just swinging swords, man. He's cutting a dude's ear off. I'd say anybody that's willing to cut another man's ear off for me, he's got my back. Peter seems to be able to, to, to talk the talk and walk the walk, if you would. I mean, he walked with Jesus for three years as Jesus was doing ministry. Man, he saw Jesus do some incredible, incredible miracles. Of course he's got Jesus' back. This wasn't the plan that Jesus had, though, right? Violence wasn't his option. So what does Jesus do? Verse 11, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Talking about the cross and what he was about to endure at the cross. That's not my plan, Peter. Then we're going to read through in the rest of chapter 18. The circumstance Peter finds himself in. Where he's willing to deny. Not just his friend. Not just his go-to guy. But his Lord. His Savior. It's an incredible story we have recorded here for us. And I want you to think as we walk through this, man, how does Peter's actions resemble maybe some of the things I go through in life? What is it that, that's unique about what, what Peter is? And I know he's a disciple of Jesus, and sometimes we might put that as a status that's, that's like, yeah, that's not me. That's, he's a disciple. No, there's a lot of correlation we can get in the life of Peter that, that, that reflects us. That we can look at and go, oh, yeah, that's, there's some similarities there. So I want to show you as we go through this, listen to the actions of Peter. Verse 15, Simon Peter, after Jesus was arrested, Simon Peter followed Jesus along with another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Verse 16, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door. And we brought Peter in. And as Peter is coming into the door, I want you to think about this. Along with his fellow disciple, he's not just walking in by himself. He's walking in with his fellow disciple. And I want you to see this. The girl at the door says this in verse 17. Hey, you, you are... You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? What's she saying? She said, Dude, didn't I see you? Aren't you one of Jesus' bros? Aren't you one of Jesus' 
Disciples, man, I'm pretty sure I've seen you hanging out with Jesus in the marketplace. Aren't you with Jesus? Peter's response. I'm not. Nope, not me. You got me confused with somebody else. That ain't me. And listen, listen, I, I don't know how many of you here know the Lord, but man, sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances where maybe we hear things like this. Hey, hey, aren't you a Christian? And it might feel uncomfortable in whatever circumstance you find yourself in where you're like, ah, man, it's not really convenient to say I follow Jesus. You, you might hear things like this. Hey, listen, listen. Didn't I see you go to church? Hey, didn't you go to that recovery thing over there at that, that church in Waterford? Aren't you supposed to be different? We find ourselves in this circumstance where we, we might find ourselves there where we're, we can relate a lot to where Peter's at. Peter said, no, I don't know this guy. Are you kidding? As it goes on, it says in verse 18, now the servants of the officer had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming themselves. So they have a fire. It's cold. Hey, man, I stood by many campfires. When it's cold, it feels good, right? The text goes on, and it kind of switches scenes a little bit into where Jesus is being interrogated for a couple of verses. And then just, just after Jesus is interrogated, it switches back to the scene where Peter is by the fire. So we'll pick up back in verse 25 of the same chapter, and it brings us back to the scene where Peter is warming his hands up at the fire. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, man, you also are not one of these disciples, are you? So here's Peter standing by this place to warm up. You know, as he walked in and he told the, the lady at the front door, like, they asked him, do you know Jesus? Like, no, nah, man, I'm not affiliated with that guy. I mean, look at he's going, he's getting ready to go to the cross. You think I'm going to be affiliated with that kind of criminal? Here he is at the, the campfire warming up. And again, the, the people surrounding the campfire, however it looked, like, man, dude, you, you look really familiar. You, I, are you sure you don't know Jesus? Are you sure you're not a Christian? Man, I swear I saw you not too long ago hanging out with Jesus. I, I could swear I saw you not too long ago hanging out and going to some of his meetings and, and, and being a part of that. I, are you sure you're not a disciple? What's, what's Peter's response? I'm not. No, I'm not. I got nothing to do with Jesus. Look at this in verse 26. This is hilarious. And sad all at the same time. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. I want you to place the picture here. Dude, didn't you just cut my cousin's ear off? That's what he's saying, man. I swear I just saw you in the garden cutting my cousin's ear off. Aren't you with Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? Don't you follow him? Look at the rest of the verse. Verse 27, Peter again denied it. I want to give you some context here that's really important. So in Matthew, in Matthew chapter, I'm going to say 10, 
give you a little bit of context of what Peter is walking through, why it's so serious. Why it's serious. Now, we can understand the circumstances Paul's in. Jesus has been arrested. He's about to be hung on the cross. Listen, that's serious business that's happening in this time frame. Peter doesn't want to go to jail. I get it. I don't want to go to jail. Peter doesn't want to be accused as a, you know, a cohort to Jesus and maybe face the same punishment and the same cross that Jesus has to Man, I don't, I don't want to die. In Matthew chapter 10, this is why it's serious. Jesus says these words. Jesus says these words, just to, and I'm sure as Peter denied Jesus in that, that rooster crowed in the morning and Peter heard that, he started to think about some of the things Jesus said. Not only the prophecy of the fact that he would deny him three times, but he would probably remember these very words that spoke, Jesus spoke in verse 32 of chapter 10 in Matthew. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Wow. Now I want you to take that in context and look at how Matthew records Peter's last denial. That last one just before the the rooster crowed in the morning. Matthew Matthew 26, it kind of gives us a clearer picture John's a little passive, and he's, he writes it in a nice way. He says, yeah, and Peter denied him in a really passive way. But I want you to see how Matthew recorded it for us. Matthew 26, verse 74. This is where he denies him for the third time. To the man whose cousin's ear he cut off. This is how into his sin Peter is. Then he begins to invoke a curse on himself. And to swear, I do not know the man. Wow. Do you see what's happening here? He finds himself in a circumstance where he totally denies the person of Jesus. He's even willing to invoke a curse on himself. To swear against this man. I don't know this dude. Are you kidding me? How many of you have ever found yourself in a place or a position or a situation or maybe those conversations come your way. Those questions come, hey man, aren't you a Christian? What are you doing here? Dude, didn't, didn't, you, didn't you say you were going to follow Jesus? Why are you here? You have that little gut feeling like, oh crap. Didn't, didn't you say you were going to be a Christian and you were going to give this stuff up? Didn't you say those things? Why? What are you doing here? This isn't a guilt trip. It's just one of those questions. You see, Paul, Peter, I'm sorry, not Paul, Peter, he liked to talk the talk. And man, he was willing for a minute there to walk the walk. He was swinging a sword. But he found himself in a situation, in a position, in a place where he was willing to deny his brother, his go-to, his friend, Beyond that, his very Lord and Savior, his master, if you will. That's a deep fall, guys. That's a deep, deep fall. But what's really cool is it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. You see, 
As you look at that text back in Matthew, as soon as he did it, as soon as he denied Jesus, as soon as he did it, and immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And what happened? Peter went away and he wept bitterly. Wow, he he knew what he had done. He knew what he did. And if you go and you're familiar with the rest of the story, Jesus goes and he gets beaten, he gets put on the cross, and he's put into a grave. And then three days later, he rises up out of the grave with all the authority given to him in heaven and on earth. But I want you to think about for a second the mind of Peter during those times, that three days while Jesus was in the grave. Man, if I put myself in Peter's shoes, I know what I'm feeling. Feeling guilt, shame, regret, sorrow. Any of you can relate to that? I know I can. Man, I done screwed up. I mean, I can just imagine that if I'm Peter and I'm thinking like Peter, I'm like, man, I made it. There's no more chance. There's no more hope. I messed up. Man, I denied him. I know Jesus said, if I deny him before men, he's going to deny me before the Father. He's dead. He's in the grave. Man, I screwed up. There's no hope for me. I can imagine Peter's mind during those three days where he's dealing and living in that shame, where he's walking through that guilt. He's like, man, I've fallen too far. I've fallen too far. But if that's where it ends, in fact, one of the things that we see in John chapter 21, that's where we're going to go next, is Peter, he's, he's been doing ministry for three years with Jesus. When Jesus calls him as a disciple, Jesus, uh, Peter is a fisherman. He calls him out of the fishing boat literally to say, hey, come follow me. And Peter decided to abandon the career he was in and follow Jesus for three years. When he failed and when he was walking in his shame and he was walking in his guilt, you know what he did? He went back to what he knew. He went back to what he knew. Ah, there's no hope for me. There's no help for me. I'm no good. I'm washed up. I've messed it all up. I'm going to go back to what I know. So he goes and he gets his brothers, his friends, Fellow disciples, you see this in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 3, Simon Peter says to them, hey, I'm going fishing. Now, in any other circumstance, fishing ain't bad. But in this circumstance, Peter was running from his guilt. He was running from his shame. So they go out and they go fishing. They don't see anything. And at this point, Jesus is resurrected from the grave and he comes to see his fellow friends. If you continue into verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They didn't recognize him. And Jesus says to them, hey, hey, you guys catch anything? Any luck out there today? And their answer is, no, we didn't catch anything. It's no good. Then he tells them something very profound, the very same things he said to them when he first called them to follow him. He says to them, hey, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some there. Now, that's a weird thing to say to a fisherman. (laughs) 
That's a really weird thing to say to a guy that knows his field. Hey, you guys, you catch anything? No? All right, hey, (laughs) put it on the other side of the boat. You'll catch them there. I'm just thinking as a human, who's this know-it-all on the shore? (laughs) Right? Like, that's that's kind of where my head goes. Look at what happens. Of course, we know that as they did it, they cast it, and they have such a, such a catch they, that they now were not able to haul the nets in. And I want to show you something that's absolutely amazing here in verse 7 of chapter 21. That disciple whom Jesus loved says to Peter, Dude, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. This is Jesus on the shore. They didn't recognize him. They were in the boat. They were probably about 100 yards offshore. They didn't recognize that Jesus was at the shores there. But as soon as he tells them to do that and the nets are overflowing with fish, everything in their mind says, this is Jesus. And I want you to pay attention to what Peter's reaction is because this is where the application of Peter's life comes for us. Look at what Peter does. This is so amazing as you read this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, it was Jesus, he put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea, and he swam to shore. He went chasing after Jesus. Do you see that? He's like, man, Jesus is there. He's out of the grave. I'm going to him. He didn't run from Jesus, even though he had shame and guilt. He ran after him. He said, Jesus, I'm coming to you, man. Don't leave. I got some things we need to resolve. And I love, I love, as you go into the story and you see what happens, I love how Jesus responds to him. He's sitting there ready to make breakfast for him. (laughs) He's got you covered. They didn't catch anything all night. I'm sure they were hungry. Jesus feels, feeds him physically, and then he has a heart-to-heart with Peter. Now, this is the heart-to-heart where redemption happens, and this is the part where I want you to really listen and hear. Beginning in verse 15 of chapter 21 of John, after they finished breakfast, Jesus has a heart-to-heart with Peter, and he says these things to him. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? I believe he's talking about this career of fishing. Could be even his fellow disciples. Do you love me more than these? Simon's response is, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Remember remember just three to four days ago, he was denying him before other men. Jesus I love, I love the way Jesus words this. And as you walk through this, pay attention close to this. This is not an accident. Jesus didn't sit there and say, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me again? That's not what he said. He didn't say that. He didn't put it in the negative. He put it in the positive. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you, do you really love me? His response to Peter is, if, and of course, Peter says, of course I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Verse 16, and he said to him a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
course, Peter responds again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. Or said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time. You think that's an accident? I love how Jesus is desiring the redemption of Peter's failure. And listen to what he says to him this, this, this third time. Hey, the Lord says to him, hey, listen, Simon, Peter. Son of John, do you love me? And at this point, this is where we see what happens in Peter's heart. There's genuine grief and repentance over his sin. Look at what Peter's response is. Peter was grieved. He was grieved. He was saddened. He was heartbroken. Because he said to him a third time, do you love me? See, I imagine Peter knew exactly what Jesus was doing. In his inquiring of him three times, the same amount of times Peter denied him. He knew exactly what he was doing and he was trying to address a problem with Peter and say, hey, Peter, listen, I need you to be a leader and feed my sheep. And if you're going to feed my sheep, the reality is, is you're not going to be able to deny me. You're not going to be able to say, I don't know that guy and still feed my sheep. That ain't going to work. So Jesus is walking Peter through this aspect of redemption and we see in Peter's heart this heart of grief, sorrow. Man, I messed up. And I want you to hear his response, which is so a part of repentance. Peter says these words, and he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know, you know that I love you. You know everything. You know my failures. You know where I screwed up. You know where I denied you. You know when I took the last hit. You know when I clicked on that last website that I've been struggling with. Lord, you know it all. You know that I want to follow you. You know that I love you. Jesus, in the most caring and loving manner, he tells Peter, man, listen, I'm here to redeem you. I took the cross on for you. You are the reason why I took those stripes and those beatings on the cross. It's because I love you and I want you to feed my sheep. As you listen to those words today, maybe you need to put your name in there. Where Jesus needs to have a heart-to-heart with you tonight, today, right now. Somebody needs, one of you need to hear this. Maybe instead of Simon Peter or Peter, son of John, it needs to be John Carter. It could put your name in there. Hey, do you love me? Jesus is asking, hey, do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus. Of course I love you. And for Peter, it was this aspect of leading the sheep, being an an apostle for Jesus. That was his calling. Maybe that's not the calling. Maybe what Jesus is trying to walk you through when he asks you these questions and you put your name in there is, hey, hey, do you love me? Put the needle down. 
Do you love me? Don't go to those nasty websites. Do you love me? Maybe you need to get rid of that anger in your heart. Do you love me? Maybe that slander and that gossip that you keep doing and causing turmoil and division, man, you need to deal with that. Jesus wants to have a heart to heart. He doesn't want you to live in that guilt and that shame and that denying of him. Every time you find yourself close to falling off the edge, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm your go-to guy. Call on me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm here for you. Maybe somebody in here, this is going to be the last warning you get. And I, I am being very serious. You need to hear these words. This could be the last warning you get, man. Don't let it be the last. You are struggling. I know it. I get it. Listen, I'm not talking from a place of ignorance. It's tough when the devil comes knocking and that temptation's right there in front of you. It's just like Peter when he's standing there and he's got all of these people asking him, hey, do you know Jesus? It's going to cost you something to say no to whatever the temptation is you're fighting. I love and hear that as you go through this, Jesus, there's an incredible story here. As Jesus deals with this aspect and he asks Peter to, to feed his sheep, he says, and he says something really incredible. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is an amazing, that, that might not make a lot of sense to you. I'll fill in the blanks here in a minute. But the reason this was said to Peter, it tells us in verse 19, this is to show him by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after he said these things, he said to Peter, follow me. Now, if you don't know the story of Peter, how he died, I want to share it with you. You can read the Fox's Book of Martyr. It's recorded in there for us what happened to Peter. And I want you to hear these words. These are words written from us. You probably don't even know these persons. I don't know this person. The words of Hiromi are these. Concerning Simon Peter, the son of Jonas, or John, of the province of Galilee, and of the town of Bethesda, the brother of Andrew, after he had been the bishop or the pastor of the church of Antioch, and had preached in these areas the dispersion of them that believed of the circumcision in Pontus, in Galatius, Cappadocia. These are just cities and places where Peter was preaching. Asia, Bithynia. And you're talking about the time in the second year of Claudius, the emperor, which is about the year of our Lord, 44. Peter came to Rome to withstand another person, Simon Magus, and there kept the priestly chair for the space of five in 20 years or 25 years, until the last year of the aforesaid Nero, Emperor Nero, who was a wicked, wicked dude, which was the 14th year of his reign in which he was crucified. This is what the book, Fox, this is what history records what happened to Peter. 
But I want you to see this. He had his head, he, his head being down, that is, in the crucifix. His arms were stretched, but he had his head opposite of the way Christ was hung, where his head was standing like me and you. Peter said, hang me upside down. It says it's recorded in this account. His feet were upward, and it was done so at his request. Because he said, his words, Peter's words, I am unworthy to be crucified after the same form and manner. I want you to see these next words. As my Lord Jesus. This is the redemptive story of Peter. The guy that denied Christ three times. The Lord came to him and said, hey, listen, I got a plan for you. And we see that Paul fulfilled the plan God had for him. He preached in all these cities. And when it came time to whether he would keep his life or he would claim Christ, guess what? He said, listen, Jesus is my Lord. I don't care how you kill me. One way I'm not going to die, though, is in the same way he did, because I can't even be worthy to hang in the same manner as him. Wow. Wow. Listen, tonight, man, I want you to think about the story of Peter. I don't know what battles you got. I don't, know what, I don't know what difficulties you're fighting. I don't know what temptation you're right on the cliff of. I know a guy that can be your go-to guy. I know a guy you can call on right now. His name is Jesus. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And he's going to show up like a mighty, powerful, strong friend that he is. I need you to hear this. You might say, man, Pastor John, you're a little passionate about this. <coughs> yeah, I really am. Because see, there was times in my life where there were people hitting meth right next to me. There were lines of coke, people taking pills of ecstasy, and I never stood up for Jesus. I'm not preaching to you as somebody that doesn't understand the battle of addiction. Some of you, this is going to be your last chance. And I'm not trying to scare you into anything. What I'm trying to do is let you know there is a way better way than what the devil tries to tell you you have. I'm trying to tell you when your mind is telling you, man, I'm too far gone. I've done screwed up so many times, just like Peter may have felt. There's still hope in the person of Jesus. All you got to do is say, hey, Jesus, I need you. Please help me. Amen. That's what it is. And I want you to make that choice, that call, if you will, tonight. Think about my friend who I found sitting in the back of my house one day. Strung out on heroin. Thank God I was able to get him to a halfway house. Recovery house. It's not an accident you're here, guys. Maybe somebody here tonight, you need to just make that call. You need to talk to your table leader. You need to talk to somebody, the security. I don't care who you talk to. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's the person that brought you here. You say, man, I need to know who this Jesus guy is. Don't, don't let that pass you up. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, I'm so grateful. So grateful for this opportunity, Lord, to share this really incredible story of the person of Peter. Lord, I'm so grateful that despite my failures, despite my screw-ups, Lord, that you came to me and you had a heart-to-heart with me and you asked me multiple times, Lord, you said, do you love me, John? And I can pretend as long as I possibly wanted to, but Lord, you weren't going to let me go. Man, I think of the life of Peter, and man, he walked with you, Lord. He saw you do miracles, and Lord, there was a moment in his life where he had to really come down in his heart and be real and authentic and say, Lord, I'm choosing you. I don't care what this world does to me. I'm choosing you over anything else. I'm choosing you over the high. I'm choosing you over the fix. I'm choosing you over everything. Because you're the only one that can fix a broken failure like me. Lord, you come to me with that love and that arm wide open. And you say, listen, John, I love you. Come on, let's fix this. And that promise is the same promise you have for every single person here. Whether they're watching online or in the room. Lord, I just pray. I pray. There's somebody here. Lord, that they would jump out of that boat and they would start swimming towards you, running towards you, knowing that you are the answer to the problem. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Listen, if you need to do business with Jesus, I don't know if this is the norms, I don't know where Justin is, but if you need to do business with Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to come forward. There'll be men here that will pray with you, will talk with you. Now's the time to act because you don't know when you're going to get this next chance. Take action now. Don't wait. There'll be men here waiting to pray with you. If you want to pray with me, I'll be right there. I want you to know who Jesus is.